And welcome to a new episode of the Cigar Snob Podcast. I am Nick Jimenez, joined by Eric Calvino. What's happening, y'all? And Ivan Ocampo. Hi. Ivan, tell us about this cap you're wearing. Uh, yeah, I know you're not used to me wearing a hat, but it's uh, it's a dad cap. It's very dad. Very, very much. Yeah, I know. So and it's it, some kind of golf Some kind thing. of golf, golf yeah, thing? Yeah, it's uh, FSGA 1913 Florida State Golf Association. Yeah. It's got some miles on it. I see the sweat ring on the visor. Oh, that's terrible. No, it's <laughs> it's good. I feel that it, it, it adds character. It's like holes in, the, in your jeans. Yep. People pay for those holes, people, but I don't know if people pay for <laughs> sweat rings on it. I think he's ahead of the curve. Yeah, that's yeah, going to be the sure. new thing. It's, it's actually plume. Oh, oh, there you go. How long have you been aging that thing? <laughs> in the right conditions, too. On this episode of the podcast, we will be smoking something from Hoya de Nicaragua uh, and also talking about a bunch of travel and going places that we've been doing. You're uh, so lucky, Nick. Uh, you get to travel so much. I mean, all of it. This is, uh, we all need uh, charmed charmed lives around here at Cigar Smoke. Not as charmed as Petey the Dog over here, but, uh, you know, there's that. And uh, and then also some sports things and some political things and uh, and all the stuff. So all of that coming at you right now, Eric. What are we smoking? Ooh, we are uh, we're smoking a Hoya de Nicaragua Cuatro Cinco Reserva Especial. Uh, not to be confused with the Edición Limitada, right? Right, which was the original one that came out. Uh, this one we're smoking it in the Bellicoso uh, format. Which is a DDRP exclusive. DDRPs are Drew Diplomat retailers, right? Uh, and so, when you have a Drew, so these are let's say the the best uh, Drew Estate right. accounts. Right. And for those who don't know, Hoya de Nicaragua is distributed by Drew Estate. Right. A little bit like Drew Estate's equivalent of being, say, a Davidoff appointed merchant. Sure, kind of, along kind of those sort of. lines, yeah. And so. Uh, so anyway, these are this size is only available at Hoya de Nicaragua events in DDRP retailers. So anyway, I, I got this. Uh, well, Hoya sent us a box of this, which is very nice of them. Uh, so we were enjoying them, and we had actually run out of them. When I came back from Nicaragua, I came back with another little stash of them. Oh baby, because uh, I am a fan. I do. I like the uh, I like the Bellicosa format. Uh, as you know, these are box pressed. Yeah. Uh, so all the Cuatro Cincos are box pressed, but the box pressed Pelicoso, I like it even better than a than a box pressed Torpedo. I don't know about you guys, but I like the Pelicoso format. I'd say so. so. Yeah, that makes sense to me. What about? Oh, Ivan is not smoking today. Ivan is not smoking. Yeah, sorry. He looks. A little he's he's looking. <laughs> I, keep, I keep looking over, and he's looking like uh, longingly at. At my Cuatro Cinco here, and it's like, what is wrong with this guy? Then I realized he's not smoking. He doesn't get one. Sorry, buddy. That's all What's right. What's going on? What is the what is the deal with you? Uh, getting this? over a cold. I was pretty pretty bad for about eight or nine days. Some nasty strain of of a light coronavirus. Um, <laughs> the, the light version. Like, yeah, it was Corona light. Hey. <laughs> 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 So I'm feeling better, but I I don't think I'm in smoking. Um, That's fair. I, I recommend yet. that all the time. Whenever someone says, "Oh, I've got a cold. I'm getting. Oh, I think I'm over it. Just give me the cigar." And you're like, "You know what, dude? Just wait another couple of days and." That's what I need. Really, just completely get 
out of your system. <laughs> so I've got a <laughs> yeah my uh, my next door neighbor uh, Gene. You know yep. Gene. We um, all know Gene. So there have been times. He, so this guy smokes at least a handful of cigars a day, I think. Uh, and sometimes when he has a cold, he'll tell me like, "Oh, I've had this cold for so long." This, that, and the other. And he'll be smoking a cigar while he's telling me, "How many of those are you smoke?" Oh, I'm only smoking like two a day. Yeah, because I'm like, sick. Dude, come on, just uh, stop it. Uh, but yeah, it, it it never helps. It always messes me up way more. So, good call, good call on the passing. And I'm sure there's one of these, you know, sitting there in wait with your name on it, or maybe not. I don't know. Oof. I had it laser engraved. There you go. <coughs> uh, so that is what we're smoking. Uh, we can talk a little because we we started smoking it uh, a little bit before we we turned the mics on. Uh, how are you feeling about it so far? I, I dig the smoke. I think it's one of those like uh, quintessential Nicaraguan cigars, right? Like when there's no, if you gave this to to a, an experienced cigar smoker with their eyes closed, and let's say they couldn't even like see the anything, and you just uh, smoked it, you would know this is 100% like Nicaraguan, right? And it has that that very uh, Nica feel to it, a lot of earth. A lot of pepper, a lot of dark wood, right? Yeah. And then, like, not right now because it's still early on. I happen to know this cigar fairly well. So I know that it, it does develop a little bit more coffee and a little bit more dark chocolate later on. But right now, at the onset, it's super smooth, but with plenty of earth and pepper. And like I said, like a dark woody note. Yeah. I, I even get some of the chocolate now, but it, I mean, maybe this is what you're saying it, it picks up on, but it doesn't have all the bitterness that I might associate with the dark chocolate, but it's not quite that like milk chocolatey. Correct. No. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes, but yeah, I definitely get the coffee and the beginnings at least of that dark chocolate. Yeah. I totally dig this cigar. This is one of those where to me, Hoya just hit it out of the park with this one. Yeah, for sure. So, and by the way, the limited edition one, the Edición Limitada, that's even better. Yeah. I know that, you know, we can't get those because they're done. I have two left. FYI, <laughs> but uh, but those were those were just absolutely amazing. Yeah, amazing smokes. It, it didn't uh, go into our top twenty five that year that it came out, which I think was like twenty thirteen or so. That sounds right. Uh, because it was a limited edition, but just I I absolutely love that cigar. So that's an amazing smoke. The two of you were recently at the Great Smoke. Wow, Ooh, beautiful segue. boom. You know, can Professional we give him a horn? Style. I know you're not smoking, so can you give him a horn on the Segway? <laughs> segway horn, boom. <laughs> so Great Smoke, of course, is uh, is Smoke Inn's uh, annual marquee event in Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, tell us about uh, how that went. What did you guys see? Uh, it's a huge event. I mean, there's the turnout that that Abe has out there is amazing. Every he, year, it gets bigger, right? He's uh, I mean. owner Abe DeBabna. right? Um, so. I don't know. I don't know what kind of numbers he had out there, but it had to be at least, I don't know, one or 2,000 people. Yeah, I would uh, say probably right in between those. Uh, it's held at the South Florida Fairgrounds where, um, you know, they kind of have like those. It's a it's a roofed uh, area, yet it's there's air coming between some sandy air at times. <laughs> yeah, well, t- I mean, this year it was super windy. Yeah, super windy. It felt like we were uh, like getting sandblasted at times. Before the event, I think once the event got started, the the winds had died down a bit and it got better. Yeah. But early on during setup, dude, the 
those pipe and drape things were just flying off, and it yeah. was it was a disaster. But uh, still, that did. But not, once it kicked off, once yeah. it kicked off, it was all smooth. Absolutely fine, and that, that does not prevent the people from going around and getting their cigars and having a great time. What a line, dude! So the the event starts for VIPs at noon, and then for general admission at one. Uh, and it was around two thirty that I I remember looking and still seeing a line of people coming in to pick up their cigars. And I was just, that's amazing. That's, that's impressive that, uh, you know, you still have that many people going through cigar after cigar. Like to me, that's not like my style. I like the events where like our Chong Chan, where you, you get the cigar already from the get go and then right. you're ready to go party. You don't have to make the line. You don't have to make the line. So uh, I'm not, but still impressive to see. Yeah, everybody's in a great mood. I mean, we're 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 there talking with people. Everybody's just yeah, very happy already, to be. They're already smoking cigars in line. They're happy to be there. They just keep stuffing their bags. Yeah, and they're, they're good and they to do go. get a ton of cigars. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, only, I don't know what the, I remember what the number is, but it's a. I've only done great smoke once, and that was one of the things that. Well, I Well, they never invited you back. Yeah, exactly. They, you know, yeah. I don't know what you did, but you pissed somebody off. What are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, the the amount of stuff that people, and it's not that I took all that stuff away because being, you know, but but yeah, it's and then if you do the VIP thing, that's a whole other load of things. Uh, what else did they have going on besides the cigar stuff? Like usually, there's like food and certain spirits. There was food. They had a Jack Daniels like uh, decked out like Airstream, which was kind of uh, interesting. I don't know what was going on there. I don't know what was happening inside the Airstream, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they were they were they were pouring. All kinds of Brown Foreman spirits. Brown Foreman includes Jack Daniels, or yep. uh, Jack Daniels, or Forrester, uh, yeah, a bunch of others. And uh, there was also Sam Adams. We drank a ton of Sam Adams. The tank. The tank brewing. Uh, let's see who else was there. They had three different food stations, uh, live music. It was like 70s themed. So okay. you had girls and right. rollerblades yeah, yeah, like skating around. Yeah. So it gave it a nice little little touch but it was fun cool as usual the spearmint rhino uh, sure. girls were running around doing something i don't know what they were doing who knows but we were pressed we were not privy to that <laughs> no I'm kidding just... uh yeah they had a, they had a bunch of stuff they I, they also have like a money grab station where the money's flying up and then right do all these raffles and things like that so no, it's a fun event it's one of the most uh entertaining events of the year in florida for cigars without question right yeah so it's probably the biggest in Florida, uh, and it's it's also one of the most fun for sure. So yeah. congrats to those guys. I would say it's it's that and lechon challenges for that sure are, that are that are worth making the trip if you're out of the state, because a lot of people I think do come from out of state to go to Great Smoke. There are quite a bit. Yeah, so, I mean, as a matter of fact, so we were manning our booth because Yami, <laughs> Yami was uh, still in the Dominican Republic uh, when the Great Smoke started, and. <clears throat> we were handing out magazines. And so a lot of times you're handing a magazine out to someone who already has a subscription. So you're, you're giving the guy the, the magazine and, Oh no, thanks man. I subscribe. You know, I'm from New Jersey, blah, blah, blah. I also listen to your podcast. So, uh, so that was cool. It's always fun to, to see that. And so you get, you hear all these people. No, I already got the magazine. I'm from Georgia, this and that. Like there's a ton of people that come from out of state to go to this event. Yeah. So, yeah, no, no doubt they uh, they draw. And before we move on to other things, you mentioned that you got some uh, some podcast listeners approaching you. 
Yeah, as a matter of fact, the, the Jersey guy that I just mentioned, he said, uh, he said, oh, man, you know, thanks for the podcast. You know, I, I listen to it. It's like it gives me my sanity check on my drives through uh, through Jersey, this and that. That is Driving al- through Jersey can be a pain. This is where you get there. your sanity. That is alarming. And I <laughs> fear for well, whatever we, else we ran, going on in We ran day. in the other day. We said thank you and took off because we were get worried that the guy, guy was going to stab me. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, while you were in that area, you also... You mean after I ran? After you ran, uh-huh. you ran yeah, yeah. to a woods. brewery. <laughs> <laughs> ran directly to a brewery. Uh, not a cigar-friendly experience, but not all of them have to be. Uh, yeah. If you're a beer guy, you had a pretty cool experience. It was. It was. Uh, I went with uh, Ramon Santana, who is uh, our photographer in a lot of events, in a lot of cases, and also does our digital uh, image retouching. And Ramon and his son... Roman uh, took me to Civil Society, which is a brewery out in uh, West Palm Beach. And, dude, had incredible, like, the hazy IPAs. Uh, we had one, their, their, like, flagship is called Fresh. Excellent beer. It's, like, you know, it's one of these, like, very uh, grapefruity, grapefruit kind of forward IPAs. Not piney as much. More citrusy. Uh, just, like, this... As, like the name says fresh it's like this beautiful mouthfeel and we had another one that would uh i'm pretty sure ivan would order if we were there the tricked out golf cart was the name of the, of the actual beer and had that i thought was even better what was that had me at hello yeah, yeah, yeah tricked out golf cart <laughs> but uh no seriously thanks to to ramon and ramon for for showing me the uh the ropes out there in west palm beach and then i went to a, a cuban bakery out there capri any good? Awesome. Pan con lechon. No uh, yeah, yeah. Pork, Cuban-style pork sandwich. Excellent. They had run out of patelitos by that time. I'm going to make a note of that like right now. Capri in in what city? In West Palm Beach. West Palm Beach. Cool. Uh, all right. So, shifting gears. And by the way, near I-95. So, it's like if you need a quick stop to uh, to eat something as you still have another hour and change left to Miami. Yeah. Uh, good stop. Noted. Esto, all right, so Pro Cigar, another cigar event that you and Yami were at. This is a lot of me talking. A lot of you talking, but you did a bunch of things. So how was Pro Cigar? I thought we were going to jump to Austin to give me a break. But oh, no. we can jump to Austin. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, Pro Cigar was, was awesome, as it always is. Those guys do an incredible job. So Pro Cigar is the annual cigar festival in the Dominican Republic. Held uh, The first part of the festival is in Casa de Campo, or La Romana, which is where... Alteris, uh Tabacalarega at Sia is located. So we did that. I also got to play some golf at uh, Teeth of the Dog. Poor guy. It was rough. Poor guy. It, you know what? It was really rough. I mean, it was a windy day. Ugh. It was... It was Torture. I mean, the waves Torture. were just Ugh. crashing Ugh. as you're... Poor guy. Trying to avoid the water hazards. So for the, for the people who don't know about <laughs> these things, t- tell us about Teeth of the Dog. Because there may be people who... So maybe. Teeth of the Dog is like the... Uh, iconic golf course in the Dominican Republic. I think is that fair to say, Ivan? Uh, it's a it's a course that, if I'm not mistaken, it's something like 11 holes, are bordering the water or something like that. It's it. it's a stupid amount of holes, and it's not like water like a lake. It's the ocean. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. It's a it is a breathtakingly beautiful golf course. Uh, challenging if you're playing it from the back like Ivan would. Reasonable. If you're playing it from the whites, which is a guy of my 
handicap level. Got it. Uh, so I, it was Francisco Batista of Balmoral, uh, Steve Ross, who writes for Tobacco Business Magazine, mm-hmm. and myself. And uh, and thanks to Francisco for making that happen. That was just incredible of him. And uh, and so we we got to play again. The course is pristine. Uh, you have a caddy who's like Ivan. Uh, we always talk. We, Ivan and I have played this course before. Okay. But uh, these Dominican caddies are a little kamikaze. They'll they'll run out to where they're telling you you should hit the ball. Oh. Like aim at me because there is a lot of tricky blind corners and stuff like that in the golf course. On the co- on the holes where it's not obvious where you want to hit it, the guy will literally sprint out there and stand <laughs> and tell you hit me with the ball. Which is pretty hilarious. And then when you miss him and the ball goes into the ravine, ocean, yeah. he'll go and chase after yeah. it. He'll climb down and chase. Uh, they're impressive. I was going to say, if I'm playing that course, the spot where you're standing in order to right. indicate that's the safest Safe place spot. on the course. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but the thing is that, again, for a, a course that is that's so much water, and it's not, again, not water like a, a lake that your ball trickled into and you can, like, grab it with your pitching wedge uh this is the ocean and you only uh only i think i lost two balls and so that is a testament not to my skill but to the caddy's ability to retrieve (laughs) wayward golf balls uh so so anyway that was uh that was awesome dude i mean we smoked balmoral cigars all day we started with the connecticut and then we moved to the standard Balmoral, and then we went on to, uh, the XO, and then uh, went on to the Okuro. So, just a, and Francisco brought a cooler. Started off with Presidente. By the end of the round, we were all in on Barcelo Leyenda. Oh baby, yeah, it's a it's a damn good time. Yeah, right. Like it's one of those days where you're like, yeah, yeah, this this didn't suck today. Yeah. So like if you're a, if you're a tourist, like how difficult is it to to get yourself in to play around it. Not difficult at all. Not difficult at all. They they uh, they know that that's what you're there for. So you'll see like as a matter of fact on the flight in uh there were several several people from from the states that I that I you know you could tell from such such a place they had some some of them had KC jerseys uh and so you know I started talking to them because I wanted to know are you coming down for the cigar festival or are you just coming down? And it was like, every one of them was like, no, I'm going to play Tita the Dog. Nice. Like, oh, sweet, man. I may see you out there. And sure enough, I actually did see them out yeah. there. So, yeah, That's it's cool. pretty. It's, it's, uh, it's be- and it's easy to get out there. You, you don't have to take your clubs. By the way, the clubs that they rent you are likely better than your clubs. Uh, I played with Titleist AP3 irons. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to, when I came back, well, I played with my son yesterday. I wanted to throw my irons into the nearest lake because I, was, I was really impressed by them. And the Vokey wedges that you get to play. Scotty Cameron Putter. Rentals? Rentals. Scotty Cameron Putter and Vokey. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's pretty I've good. already been like, I told Barbie, listen, for next Christmas. Get me a set of rental clubs. I want, <laughs> no, I want the Vokey wedges. Those made a difference for me. They really did. So, I, I wanted to steal the 56-degree. Ugh. 
Can't let you Cubans on these golf courses. It, it was so good. No, of course I'm not going to steal it. Are you crazy? I wanted to just like, hey, can I keep this thing? How much? So, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful day, man. Uh, and so then after that, uh, you know, we visit Tabacalera de Garcia, the factory, mm -hmm. which is the largest cigar factory in the world. Uh, but like, all the, you know, the, the big factories of the world, you have to, there's certain... Uh, liabilities and things like that so they have to protect themselves so you have to like get all doctored up you got to put these like uh steel toe boots over your shoes Whoa. uh you know they got to set you up because they're they're a massive company uh and so but after a while you forget you have it on and and you get to walk around and see this again gigantic operation uh, what are you protecting against with the steel pole steel toed uh, boots I Man, if I had to guess, it's it's uh, it's part of like the ISO nine thousand one standard or something like that, where or for insurance purposes they have to have that. Any visitor has to be protected, and then they give you a, a coronavirus mask, not because of coronavirus, but because of the ammonia in the air. Mm -hmm. uh, again, it's all lawyers getting in the way of good cigar making, but uh, but no, we still got to uh, after you take the tour, we we sit outside and and they. Uh, Crack open some coconuts and give you some fresh coconut water and, and smoke cigars and drink coffee. Still a damn good time. Uh, and so then after that, we ride up to Santiago, which is a bit of a long ride. Uh, and then the second half of the Pro Cigar Festival kicks off. Some people don't even start down in La Romana because it is... If you're not a golfer, if you're not into the golf aspect of it, or you don't want to see the biggest cigar factory in the world... Uh, then a lot of people just start in Santiago. Mm. And so... I would still want to hang out at Casa Campo. Oh, my God. Every time I go to that place, I come back wondering, like, what do I have to do to buy a house down here? Yeah, I want to live here. Yeah, of course. You know, that Alto de Chabón so area. relaxing, yeah. It's gorgeous, gorgeous. So, uh, yeah. So then uh, Santiago kicks off. And then you have the the other manufacturers that are involved, obviously, in, in Pro Cigar. Like... Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> obviously Fuente, Davidoff, yeah. uh, General Cigar, uh, La Flor Dominicana. So uh, all those, uh, La Galera, all those factories then kind of get into the act and Saga. Had dinner at Saga again. It's always cool. a good thing. Yeah. Right? So it, whenever we do, uh, you know, factory tours and all that, one of the things that we're always commenting on is like, oh, man, no matter how many times you do this, you always feel like you saw something new or learned something new. Was there something that stood out to you from any particular tour that you were like, oh, this is the first time I've heard that or seen that or. So unfortunately, no. Okay. Because I didn't take too many tours. Right. Okay. Uh, so I had, I had some meetings during the day. So I skipped most of the tours. Uh, the only tour I did go on in Santiago was La Aurora. Uh, which is a cool tour. Which is an awesome tour. I have done it a hundred times. Yeah. Uh, and so, but that was the only tour I did. The one thing that we did that was interesting was they did a pairing of Manuel Inoa, the master blender at La Aurora, uh, did a pairing with the uh, 115th anniversary La Aurora with uh, the La Aurora rum, which is called the uh, 110. Okay. 110 años. Uh, and so they did that pairing, and that was awesome. That was great because what Manuel did is Anytime when people were smoking a cigar, 
and he'd say, okay, what do you, you know, what flavors, what aromas do you get, blah, blah, blah. And then someone would say, chocolate, right? He would say, okay, good. So chocolate comes from this tobacco that we have in there, which has a, a very chocolatey note to it. And then someone else would say, oak, you know, it's like, so the oak is from the piloto, blah, 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 blah. And it was, it's pretty cool to hear from a guy whose job it is to blend these cigars. Uh, and then as you're giving your experience, he's telling you, yep, that's exactly what I wanted you to get. And you got it because of X, Y, Z. So that was pretty neat. Cool. Uh, so unless there's anything else with Pro Cigar related? Well, no, but on the last night, which is the the gala dinner to oh, finalize right. the whole thing, they did raise like over $200,000 for these three charities, which I think is pretty cool, right? You get to do this festival. Uh, you get to have a good time and all that, but... But when you like marry that with uh, yeah. a very good charitable result, which is over two hundred thousand uh, dollars, I thought that was pretty cool. So cool. they raised money for um, a place that that is a nonprofit for sick kids in the Dominican Republic, and then another one for uh, elderly, uh, low income like elderly people who are you know, not well off, and then they're already old and they don't have a good social security system. Right, uh, and then the other was for again like single moms uh for housing so anyway pretty pretty cool that they were able to raise that much money cool so. yeah i think yami mentioned that uh there was a, a saga humidor that went for something like 50 something grand yeah and the oh and fabian fabian barrantes fabian barrantes they sold fabian they, they sold auctioned them fabian. <laughs> can you believe it <laughs> uh, but no fabian you know Holy fabian is also a, a, an artist the laws are crazy in these countries yeah you can do it anyway. <laughs> So Fabian painted a uh, his you know his rendition of uh, of the monument in Santiago, mm-hmm. and uh, and so he auctioned off the original artwork, and so that that went for like I think fifty six hundred bucks. That's cool, man. Uh, they you... also made it. Uh, his artwork became the box for I the s- white party, which is beautiful. I saw that he posted really that. well cool. done. It's the same painting, just same painting, but yeah. Did you recognize who who bought it? Do we know where that painting will now be hanging? I don't know. Okay. We'll I don't know. I was gone by that night because uh-huh. um, it was my anniversary, so right. I had to uh, I had to get home. Cool. <laughs> hey, thank now. you. Happy anniversary. Uh, yeah. So Fabian, fifteen years. Fifteen oh, years. Fabian, if you're listening, uh, let us know if that painting ended up in a place because you know who knows maybe like a cigar shop bought it or something and and you can go check it out because I did see it. It was a cool. It was a cool painting. Um, all right. So uh, Natalia and I, our new uh, hire here at the uh, at Cigar Snob headquarters, made our way to Austin, Texas, where we ate all the meat. So apologies to Austin. Uh, yeah, there's, none left. there's, no, there's nothing left there. Sorry, guys. Uh, no, but we're, we're working on a, a travel story. It's uh, focused on barbecue for the next issue of Cigar Snob magazine. And we really did eat all the meat. Um, we hit, I want to say, in a span of roughly 72 hours, like eight barbecue places uh, and also ate some other things. But you had good help. I had some help, yeah. So um, uh, if you have never done this trip, highly recommend it. Uh, going to uh, Austin is one of those places that like, I think punches above its weight in terms of how much there is to do and see compared to the, you know, the size of the town. Um, we uh, spent a lot of time with uh, Skip Martin, Mike Rosales, and the, the rest of the guys at, uh, at Roma Craft, who served as our uh, beef Sherpas uh, on the mountain of Austin Barbecue. Uh, just in the interest of offering a few recommendations, like for, for, for me, were the food highlights. 
Uh, we made a little side trip to Lockhart, Texas, which is sort of like the barbecue capital of Texas, uh, and ate at Kreitz, uh, Smitty's, and the original Blacks, all of which were very good. But for me, highlight was Kreitz. Awesome. Brisket everywhere was great. At Smitty's, we were feeling like we needed to throw in a little variety. We got a lot of shit from the uh, Roma Craft team when we informed them that we had some turkey. Uh, that apparently was was not okay with them. What the hell are you doing? But it was, but you know, I was interested. And actually, really, if you are there doing this thing and you want to throw a little variety in there, that was outside of Cuban style turkey, which is remains my favorite. That was the best turkey I've ever had. Uh, very very good. Uh, you know, I saw a video from uh, Bon Appetit uh-huh. uh, where they were doing the video at Hometown Hometown Barbecue uh-huh. in New York. Yeah. That we have one here in Miami also. Right, yeah, that's new here. And uh, and they were talking about, what's the, uh, Brad Leone from, from Bon Appetit, you know who he is? I think so. So he said that in like when he wants to know if a place really knows how to smoke meat, like the like the little pro tip that he has is to go turkey, and if they can make that uh, and and smoke it and still be good and moist and all that, he's like you have a winner. It was awesome. So I thought that was interesting that you share that with yeah. Bradley Oni. It was great. Uh, and then, but the two places I think that are like most important to note if you're a barbecue tourist, one is Louis Mueller, which in the family tree of all of this barbecue, I like what you're doing in the microphone. Uh, <laughs> In the family tree of Texas barbecue, Louis Mueller is sort of like one of those original spots that all the other places founding chefs sort of trace back to. The same way that you would if you were talking about like Philly cheesesteaks or New York pizza. There's all that sort of history there. Sure. And so Louis Mueller is the one that has a James Beard medal in the America's Classics category. So that's like recognized as like this is the historical barbecue landmark. And that's in Taylor, Texas, a little bit north of Austin. So we went there with Mike. Um, Mike Rosales, again, of, of Romacraft. And uh, the other place that is worth keeping in mind is Style Switch, which aside from being maybe my favorite all around in the Austin metro area, is also, my understanding, one of the very few, if not the only one, where the pit is going 24-7. So you can go for dinner and not worry about whether they've run out of half the meat which is a problem with most of these places because they'll, you know, they have like a round of cooking and then they sell the brisket until there's no more brisket. But these yep. guys are just constantly cooking around the clock. Uh, so style switch is like a your best bet for a really solid dinner of barbecue uh, unless you want to do like Lambert's or something, which is more of a white tablecloth barbecue. But if you want like a, we're just going to be super casual, buy some be- bottled beers and, and really great brisket and beef rib and all that stuff, style switch is uh, is the move. Uh, so wait, how many total barbecue places did you guys hit? Let's see. We did three in Lockhart. Then we did Louis Mueller, which is in Taylor, and that was number four. We did... Um, Mueller. Mueller. Uh, we did Style Switch, Terry Black's, uh, Song by Cooper's, um, Salt Lick. Uh, what Don't mind if I do. Lay down. Uh, and then we also um, stopped into, which I was a little skeptical, uh, because it's uh, it's got multiple locations, like kind of a regional chain. Uh, but uh, Veracruz, which is not barbecue, but we wanted a little change of pace. 
Veracruz for the English speakers, uh, like the city in Mexico, uh, is a, a Mexican like taco, burrito, quesadilla kind of chain. It was awesome. Like if we had that here by our office, we wouldn't be eating it. We'd yet. weigh 400 oh. pounds. Oh, yeah. Because I would be all over that. Incredible. Uh, so uh, thanks again to all of the Romacraft people. And speaking of, I had no idea. I've seen their offices like in the backgrounds of photos and things. Yeah. That is, I don't know how any work gets done there. It doesn't make any sense. That is the coolest office I've ever been in, especially considering that it's like five people working there. Uh, you can call them and arrange tours. So they'll, you know. Of their office? Of their office, which the tour basically takes like 10 minutes, if that. Here's our bar. Here's our bar. Here's our humidor. Yeah. Here's and our coffee maker. There is an absurd, <laughs> absurd amount, uh, like an absurd collection of beers and spirits there. Um, Mike was telling me that like guys will pop in or women will pop in there who say their husbands, you know, knew they were going to Austin for a work conference or something. And they'll tell them, you got to go to to Roma Craft and take a picture at the bar or something. So uh, it's pretty, pretty funny. Uh, but they're, you know, sort of like in an industrial, not industrial, like in an office complex, a little bit outside and, you know, sort of an Austin suburb. Um, and, but worth, worth the trip if you've got a little time to spare and you want to smoke a cigar. Uh, but also we checked out some other places like, um, uh, Havana house, which was, uh, there's two locations in Austin, Havana house and, and pipe world were the, we had two Havana house locations, a pipe world location. It's not a very dense, uh, cigar destination, but almost no matter where you are, you've got something nearby. There's a Casa de Montecristo, um, in, in the area. Uh, so definitely, you know, a lot of options, but your most unique experience for sure will be Roma craft, uh, swinging by there, checking it out, get to meet, you know, there's usually Mike Rosales will be the one who's there because Skip is living in Nicaragua most of the time. Yep. Uh, but definitely, you know, that's, uh, if you're, if you're going to Texas and especially if you're going to Austin, that's a, it's a cool experience. So just to, to go and check it out, uh, and even pick up some design, uh, ideas for your own office, like their absurd, like $14,000 coffee maker for five people. <laughs> you know, when you came back and you told me about that coffee maker, when you said, he started talking about the coffee maker and I was like, I know exactly what coffee maker that is. I've loved it. I've, <laughs> I've had coffee from it. It's the one that they have at the uh, American Airlines uh, Admirals Club. Oh, they don't let me in there. I've tried to get you in, and uh, they kick you out every time. Uh, but no, they have it there, and then they have it throughout Europe, What's it like called? fine coffee places. Frank. I know it sounds silly, but it's old Frank. Frank with an E. <laughs> it's a. I think it's a German machine. That sounds right. So, so Mike was telling me that he first saw it in on a trip to Europe at I think it was like an espresso cafe there. Uh, and they hadn't begun to sell it in the U.S. So I think this office was one of the first places that one was installed in the States. The first time I saw it was in uh, Germany when I went for Intertabac. And um, at my hotel, they had it, and I was fascinated by it. I got to the to the trade show that morning, Yeah, super hopped up on caffeine because I was trying all the different things that the machine <laughs> does. No, it was uh, very, very cool. So anyway, it, that it's was... A, it's, it's like super automated. Right. It does... It does, uh, you know, everything from a cappuccino to espressos and everything in between, and it does them at a push of a button. And it's got a self-cleaning function in the whole thing, so if you do the milk stuff, you don't have to worry about, like, the, you know, because if you leave milk... Yeah, exactly. For right. me, I don't drink dairy, uh, and and they had 
they had almond as an option. Right. Which is freaking awesome. That's nice. Um, but yeah, and, and most people would think, oh, whatever, super automated, big deal. But it does it at a really high level of quality. Good stuff. So, Seen our Rancilio. I got no problems with our coffee. No, our coffee, here. and and we have a we have a yummy, and we have a yummy. Yeah, no Frank, <laughs> but yummy. Um, all right, so uh, Austin punches above its weight. Uh, so does yummy. She's tiny. So does yummy. <laughs> Can we and, call her the Grindmaster? Oh, that's good, Grindmaster <laughs> Yummy. Also a good rap name if she ever goes into that. Uh, Fury versus Wilder. Shifting gears, hard shift here to Fury versus Wilder two. Uh, I saw highlights. I was not able to watch the thing because I was at a wedding. Uh, but Ivan, you saw the fight. Interesting place where I saw it. Yeah. I went to a. Uh, I went to La Trova. Uh, so. Cafe La Trova. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, most people for, would know yeah. it. So if you just oh, say La Trova. No, what I was going to say. Yeah, it's kind of a uh, Cuban uh, bar uh, that plays 80s music in the back. Uh, right. Back of this place. So I was in the back of this place and the guy had the fight on his phone so oh big screen we had we had a group surrounding this guy's phone watching this thing while they were playing freestyle and uh right so yeah so watch the uh watch OS the fight life. there huh you gotta have freestyle cadillacs oh it's for life <laughs> for life you drop a little big time tommy reference here oh yeah you can't just do that and not <laughs> say it so wilder got big time ass beat by yeah uh, by I, didn't, I didn't watch any of this i yeah. was uh I mean, it's great. I mean, it's so much fun to watch these heavyweights now. We haven't had any good heavyweight contenders. Uh, but whatever, one's 6'10", the other one's 6'8". They were, they were going to blows. Those but I had, boys. I had no idea that Fury had so much – So he had so much of a technical advantage over yeah. over uh, Wilder. And, and it was really it was really impressive how he beat him. Yeah. So. And, uh, you know, for, for people who may not know the backstory there, so this was the, a rematch. The last one ended in a draw. Uh, in that first fight, uh, Wilder had been on a tear. Because neither of these two guys has, like, a really, really deep resume. But they both had wins over, like, big-time opponents. Weren't they both undefeated before this fight? Both undefeated, yeah. but, but with, I think they were, like, around 14, 15 fights each. Um, and so... Uh, they they went into the fight uh, undefeated with that draw, which, of course, you're still undefeated there. Uh, a draw against each other, right? A draw against each other. Tyson Fury was the uh, the lineal champion. So, meaning, the, I, and this is one of those things where it's like there's so many boxing organizations and it's kind of hard to keep track of all this stuff, but the lineal thing is like a almost like an unspoken, uh, if you beat the previous champion, that you have a claim to the lineal okay. title, even if you don't currently so have a belt. So that's the tie break. Sort of, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that's sort of like a traditional thing. But in this case, Fury basically takes all of the belts that Wilder had, which I think it was three of them. You took all of the meats. Took he all took the all of the belts. belts. Yeah, exactly. Um, when they had that first fight that ended in a draw, Fury was coming off of a like multiple years layoff during which he had ballooned to almost 400 pounds, was dealing with some kind of addiction, uh, so the fact that he came back after a long layoff and like his first fight back in was a title fight against this monster of a person, uh, you kind of had to figure like if that ended in a draw. Now that he's got his legs back under him, he's, you know, if that was the warm up, the so I don't I don't follow a lot of this. Yeah, but I have seen a Wilder fight before this. I didn't watch this fight. Yeah, that guy is 
amazing. Super hard puncher. It's like, holy shit. And crazy that he's light. Packs like, a major punch for being so like, yeah. uh, not scrawny, obviously. He's he's massive. Yeah. 6'8", right? Yeah. Uh, but he's but he's thin. He doesn't look so heavy. Wild. And uh, and just the power that he punches with was that impressed the hell out of me. Yeah. So so anyway, who knows? I mean, now they may do. I mean, Fury's already talking rematch if Wilder wants it. Uh, so I've been under a rock. So how did the fight? Oh, it was a knockout. It was a TKO. So what round what? was it? Did you look up what round it was? No, it was like five or six. Like yeah, somewhere you know halfway through. Uh, we got all the. We're coming with all the details yeah, today. Uh, Wilder's corner threw in the towel. He was getting beat up. It was oh it God. was the frequency of the punches. He just wasn't defending himself. But I couldn't tell that through. They threw. Well, but you the were town. watching it on a phone. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> the guy, the, the, uh, the ref ca- like called it. He was down in the corner and he was getting hit. But I, I didn't think he was getting hit by a lot. And apparently, you know, apparently. Wilder's Wilder's corner thought it was in enough, and and so did the ref, and they called it. Yeah. Nobody's ever done that to him either. So it could also just be. I mean, I don't I don't know, but. Maybe Wilder's corner was just a little freaked out. But if you're seeing that happen to your guy for the first time, it's a little different than like, okay, we've seen him go through this and come out. Maybe maybe they threw it in prematurely, but they did throw it in. Uh, yeah, you got so. no recourse at that point once right, your right. towel throws in the corner. Uh, your towel throws in the corner. The <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, now it's I guess it's just a matter of whether they do a rematch or whether a Fury uh, they set up a Fury-Anthony Joshua fight, which would... The you, Fat Mexican. No, that Andy Ruiz. Oh, Ruiz. Because they do they did that rematch. Joshua? No. Joshua's the guy he beat the first time. They yeah. did the rematch, and Joshua beat him then. Joshua looks like he would have, like he was supposed to wipe the floor with Andy yeah. Ruiz, Ruiz, and he didn't. Yeah, Got Joshua it. looks yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. like a like a fake boxer from a Rocky movie. Right? Yeah, yeah, he looks like a super athlete. Yeah. Uh, so that is the thing to keep an eye out for. I think it's cool that because like in my lifetime, it's it's been like a long time since boxing was at center stage the way it is right now in the heavyweight division. It's been what since like Tyson. There's always been like a big fight, but it's never been this hyped. No, uh, and like with this much happening and this many people who, you know, who look like they could take titles and all that. So it's it's been a long time. It's pretty cool to see. So as we're talking about this, I just happened to look it up, uh, and there is disagreement in uh, Deontay Wilder's corner about whether it was right to throw in the towel. So, uh, from the what is the Dazen D A Z N? What is that? I think maybe it's pronounced the zone, but it, it's like okay. a it's like a fight sports specific streaming service and news site or something. Okay, so there's a, a post here, uh, and it says this there was disagreement in that corner. However, as only one of Wilder's trainers wanted the bout halted, quote Mark Braylon threw in the towel. I don't think he should have. Wilder's co-trainer Jay Diaz said during the post-fight press conference following Fury's seventh round TKO on Saturday night. Deontay is the kind of guy who's a go out on his shield kind of guy and he will tell you straight up don't throw the towel in so yeah you gotta i'd be so even the disagreement that you guys were sensing right even i've been watching it on a tiny phone was there yeah you you gotta figure somebody's not staying with that team if because i mean that's a big you also have to figure rematch right they're angling for rematch you gotta asap yeah right and if if you want the rematch the thing you gotta be saying is i didn't want my guy throwing the towel um so Moving on to another sport, one that I don't know very much about because I don't follow it closely, but uh, there's talk of changing the NFL schedule. So, Ivan, you want to sort of recap real quick, like what it is that is on the table? It looks like the Players Association is going to vote sometime soon, maybe. 
Uh, the owners have decided, and I don't know if if they are actually voted if they've actually voted either, but uh, they've they've discussed about moving the regular season from sixteen to seventeen games, shortening the preseason, and then including uh, an extra team in each conference in the playoffs. So that would be seven teams on each side. So again, I have been under a rock. I didn't even know any of this. Yeah. So shorter preseason, longer regular season, and then expanded playoffs. So, and how does the players' association feel about this? I don't. I don't think they've voted yet. Okay, because that's the that's the linchpin here, right? Uh, Is uh, right. You know the health of the players, but I think from again, I'm, I'm not up to date on this, but the last time I've had a conversation like this uh, with some athletes, uh, they're all for more games, more paychecks. Let me have it. Let's go. Sure. And more playoff teams, so which gives you a it gives your uh, your team, team a greater, a, chance, a greater yeah. chance to get there, which means more pay for you. I mean, if if you make it that far, I mean, I still don't think the odds are in your favor getting in like as a seventh seed no. to make the Super Bowl, but still, I mean, you you still have the chance. So I think for fans, it's it's better, and I think for the players, it would be better just financially in the end. So the two of you, where do you stand? Like, you want to see. I like it. I, yeah. It sounds great. The preseason, preseason, preseason sucks anyway. I, I'm, yeah. I'm all for it. Let's preseason yeah. all day. Uh, it's it's not good football. And you're doing this like on the last. It's like, oh, the dress rehearsal game. You're like, get over it. No, yeah. We don't need a dress rehearsal. Right. Yeah. It's not like they haven't been scrimmaging and practicing. and just. Yeah. So how about uh, ask people to let us know? At Cigar Snob Mag on Twitter. Oh, yeah. How do you Tell feel us, about uh, the proposed changes? Do you want a longer season? Do you want one less preseason? Let us know what you think of all this. Uh, before we move on to... Sorry. Yeah, before oh, we move on. Yeah. Two other things. We have a word from episode sponsor, Viva La Vida. Brothers Billy and Gus Fakie, former owners of the Cigar in retail shops in New York City, have put their years of experience serving a broad range of cigar smokers into their new cigar company, Artesano del Tobacco. Their first release, Viva la Vida, is a Nicaraguan puro produced at the A.J. Fernandez factory. Viva la Vida is available in five Vitolas, a 6.5x54 Torpedo, a 6x54 Toro, a 6x60 Gran Toro, a six, sorry, a 5x54 Robusto, and a limited edition Diademas Finas, which is a beautifully made Perfecto, at six and a half by fifty-two, prices range from ten dollars and fifty cents for the robusto up to fourteen fifty for the limited edition Dia de Mas Finas cigars. Are these cigars are not only made by AJ Fernandez, but they are also distributed by AJ Fernandez. Viva la Vida cigars are only available in brick and mortar cigar shops. So ask your local retailer for Viva la Vida. Maybe sing Viva la Vida. Viva, Viva la Vida. Sing that. Go up to your retailer at the register, sing it at them, and he'll know what you're talking about. Or maybe not, but it'll be fun. Or look them up at artesanodeltobacco.net. You can also connect with them via their Facebook and Instagram at Artesano del Tobacco. Remember, that's Artesano, A-R-T-E-S-A-N-O, D-E-L, and then tobacco in English, T-O-B-A-C-C-O, Artesano del Tobacco. All right. So, uh... D. Wade's jersey retirement. Yeah. Miami legend. Miami legend. MV3. MV3. I, hey there. I, I forgot Shorthorn. all of the MV3 moniker. Yeah, Shorthorn. Shorthorn. We should get three horns. Three horns for MV3. Yeah, really? dude. It's... Do it. <laughs> Those Why so two plus, plus the two. other. Okay. <laughs> God. 
Sorry. In, sorry. Just, you know, sorry, I used, I used, Yeah. I'm not I, excited about this why at not? all. Why not? Yeah, what's, your, what's your beef? What's the? What, you don't not happy with D Wade? Yes, yes, but I don't. I don't see what. Or the was it just too is. much? No, I, I just felt it was like it was it, too it was, much. What's too much? Like they had the ceremony the night before the game, then they had the ceremony at the game. Okay, I didn't even know they had any of this, but it sounds like too much. But what? I, I don't even think they even because look, there's certain teams in the NFL they don't even retire. Uh, okay, jerseys, right? Okay. Even though you know you're a legend and you're going to live on as one of the best players of all time for that team, I just don't find a big deal and say, oh, wonderful, let's retire your jersey. It's kind of like when Mike returned and they retired the 23 and then they retired the 45. And it's like, come on. Like, yes, we know you're the greatest player of all time. Yeah, we'll put we'll, we'll put your jersey up. We'll never let anybody wear those numbers. I just, it's just Okay, so where is lot. the problem come? Because you do agree with the retirement of the jersey. I'm fine. It's just oh, such no, wait. a big deal. He just—he's mad that he had to give horns. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the story it's reserved that. for special things. <laughs> Don't push me with the horns. Congratulations, <laughs> D Wade. They should have had you MC the ceremony. <laughs> Way to go, buddy! <laughs> so this is not something that you would have been interested to be in the crowd for. Absolutely not. Really? That's interesting to me. Absolutely not. Is there anybody that like? If, is there any athlete, no, past or present? That not you, really. Really? For the Says whole the guy the, the who retirement, like over the like retirement. Napoleon Kaufman when we ran into him in the Bahamas or something. Totally different running into somebody that you can actually like put your arm around. Hey, take oh. my picture and then you fuck the picture so up. You can touch. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> totally different. Well, it was also bad technology on your phone, but that's okay. So if you could touch D-Wade, put your arm on him. Yeah, awesome. No, oh, I talk about it forever. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I ran into him in an elevator once. We talked. It was awesome. Cool. You yeah. tried to get but Michael Jordan to sign your passport. Remember they, that? That worked. Oh, that that didn't work either. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> but uh, that is a true story. But the whole retirement thing. Oh, okay. I guess. Well, yeah. okay. So the only thing that I can add to that is that he wanted that. He wanted like his night. He said he wanted that. So and and Pat Riley alluded to it that that this was something that he wanted and so the organization did this for him and that, then that's okay no you still don't agree with it no yeah 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 yeah. is it too soon or is it fine like I think it, you know it's inevitable you know so so well, i think on this season mm-hmm. on the season where they're really fun to watch mm-hmm. it adds another little thing to it it's not like you're doing it on a shit season where nobody cares about the games so if i'm Dwayne wade I want it this season because I think excitement over the heat is at an all-time yeah. all-time high, but uh, reasonably recent all-time high. And I, I think that we also, being here, kind of, it, it's easy that to... we're jaded? <laughs> no, actually, I mean, it, it, in a way, almost the opposite. Like, I, I think that we know how big of a deal Dwayne Wade is in Miami. I think it's easy to lose sight of the fact that, like, elsewhere, Dwayne Wade is, like, this is top three shooting guards of all time. Well, Arguably. yeah, they they had a uh, a couple. They had a Chinese Jordan couple. Jordan Bryant Wade. Okay. No. No, I don't know. I, I, I don't I'm know. saying arguably, I, but there are right, people who right. who will put it in that order. Shooting guards, not backcourt in general, because there are uh-huh. point guards that. Uh-huh. But shooting guards, pure shooting guards, I think it's Jordan Bryant Wade. Okay. 
He's not feeling no, good. no. And in, in this in this case, my memory's bad, so I don't, I can't remember yeah. all the shooting or like I don't know if like Clyde Drexler, or Dr. J, were they forwards? Were they, like I can't go through like, like that it, in my head. Yeah, like but, I th- I, right. I think that it's it, when you're talking about unquestionable first ballot Hall of Famer, that caliber of guy. If we, like I wouldn't have wanted this, not wanted it, but it would have felt a little silly if it was like Tim Hardaway. Love Tim Hardaway. Whose jersey is also retired. Whose jersey is also retired. But he didn't get all of this craziness. Right, exactly. So, uh, agreed. Yeah. I'm into He it. was definitely not getting a horn from me. <laughs> and I, I, like Tim Tim, Har- I like Tim Hardaway, You're not going to give Timmy 10 horns? No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Timmy. Sorry, dude. I did meet Tim Hardaway, by the way, at the that uh, Miami Children's Hospital fundraiser at the Biltmore. That was cool. Hey, would you give Chris Bosh a horn? No. He's got a it's, it's number one. It's just, just one. It requires one horn. <laughs> and then you're done. Why one? His jersey was His jersey one. one. Got, it, got, it, got it, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> right, he messed up the joke. All right. So anyway, let us know. Whose who's jersey retirement ceremony would you be interested to go to? Or, or, was, is this... too, or was too over the top for you? Yeah. <laughs> if you're uh, Ivan. So, yeah. And again, apologies to Dwayne Wade. I didn't think this was going to go in the direction of all the disrespect Me neither. Me neither. Remember that guy you met in the elevator? He doesn't like you that much. <laughs> he left in free agency. He did, and then we had to get. It. What was that all about? Yeah, I didn't like that. I, got, I, I would. It would have made me much happier if this was like a Nowitzki sort of situation, was beginning to end. Yes, he was yeah. standing up on on the freaking table. This is my house, and then he leaves. And left the house. And went to he another house. house. Went to another house, and then he sucked over there and sucked somewhere else. And, and then, then another. And house. then came back. Yeah, you're right. That that I don't like, but you know what are you gonna do? <laughs> I'm with you, Ivan. <laughs> Screw all this shit. D-Wade, I'm on an island over here supporting you, buddy. <laughs> Throw me a lifeline. <laughs> All right. So, apologies to Dwayne Wade. Uh, another, no apologies. Forget it. I'm on your side. No, forget it. Another winner who's uh, who's taken over the house is Bernie Sanders. Bernard Sanders, maybe? Feel the burn. Bernard Hopkins. Some people are feeling the burn. Uh, Bernie Sanders has basically swept the primary process. Uh, Buttigieg had that one victory, but but Bernie won the popular vote there, and uh, it was sort of at least a moral victory on that front. Uh, Five thirty-eight, which for those who are unfamiliar, is the uh, general prognostication uh, statistics website. Has get this? I thought this was mind blowing, and especially you know normally all these like poll average things, but five thirty-eight is generally like pretty good at this. I think in twenty sixteen. They very accurately predicted the popular vote, uh, the delegate uh, or the electoral college thing, different story. But in general, they've been pretty spot on. The uh, likelihood of Bernie Sanders winning more than half of pledged delegates, they have it at 47 percent, with the second most likely outcome being that nobody does. Uh, and then you've got that's insane Biden at eight percent, so it's forty-one percent probability according to five thirty-eight that nobody wins a majority, and forty-seven percent that Bernie Sanders does. When you look at the plurality uh, uh, probabilities, they've got Sanders at seventy percent with Biden in a. I mean, you can't if, if you're at seventy percent, anybody is a distant second at seventeen percent. So, and by the way, interesting to note, Bloomberg's in third there at eleven percent. So uh, Bloomberg came in last minute. They're still projecting the hill. You know, he's got the third best shot at winning delegates. So uh, what do you make of our socialist moment? 
here <laughs> in America. Uh, yeah, you know, again, as uh, having been born in Cuba under uh, socialist government. He says things aren't that bad. I know. He says, and so that's an insult to me, right? He says, oh, no, they, you know, they've got a great healthcare system and education. Have you guys ever seen the video of the hospital I was born in? Have you ever seen that? Yes. Galicia? It is disturbing. Yes, we should tweet that. Good Lord. And that's that's the healthcare we're, we're propping up, seriously, where people have to bring in their own sheets, uh, their own medicine. That's the that's the healthcare system we want for us. I'm sorry, I can't. And he'll he'll always refer to Denmark, which he did during this yeah, debate. Everybody this past does, week. right? But Denmark and all the other Scandinavian countries' heads of state are coming out and saying, like, no, dude, we're not we're not socialists. In fact, I think in Denmark, I could be wrong. If it's not Denmark, it's like Sweden or one of the other countries he's always referring to. These are countries that have private health insurance. They have all these other social safety nets, but they have it's a largely private healthcare sector. If anything. They've moved away from more socialist models over the last decades. So I've got a personal example, which I think is is interesting. So my dad has dual citizenship in Spain and the U.S. He's in Spain right now. Uh, he was there to vacation, and he had uh, an episode, and so he had to be he had to go to the doctor, or whatever. It went emergency room. He's okay, but <clears throat> he has to get more tests done to determine if the problem is serious enough and so they they can't in good conscience tell him to fly and again spain has uh universal health care so they have to do more tests they can't determine by the first round of tests whether or not it's safe for him to fly back home okay so he has a he needs another round of testing but again through this universal health care system you don't get to just say hey look uh i need that test done let's get going on it no you're on their clock so he's stuck in spain because he doesn't know if he can fly or if he should fly under the you know the stuff that happened to him so he doesn't know if he can fly they won't schedule the the next round of tests until much later so now he's having to pay pay out of his pocket pay right, out of right pocket exactly to get the test done right that's yeah. what would happen you would have everybody on this on this one-payer type system, and then everybody who could afford it would just pay for their own thing to get the service that they want. Exactly. So he went from being like Mr. Cheerleader of like, you know, man, can you believe this? The way that it's, this is amazing that this and that and the other thing. And then now he's like, <laughs> like I'm stuck here. So, uh, yeah. That's nuts. So um, And that's clo- like close to home, right? Yeah. I'm my dad. And then you've got other people, you know, when, when some, and I'm not a Pete Buttigieg fan, but when he's in a debate talking about you know, hey, how about if we just have like a public option, which I'm still not for, but in the hierarchy of preferences, I would prefer that there be uh, maybe like a government government corporation that's competing, right? Maybe you can argue that that would affect the market and competing with the government. But he is like railed against, like as if he was saying the most laissez-faire, free market insanity. What we were talking, the, the, the debate over things like Obamacare, Obamacare now in the context of the discussions is treated like, it's like you're you're a fake Democrat now, if you're yeah. even talking about that as the as the end game. Uh, so it's anyway, these, this rush to the edges that is uh, the problem I see right now. Right? right, everyone's just rushing to the edge of extreme, and it's not good. Yeah, it's not good where we're at. 
And then the other new development is, like I mentioned, uh, Bloomberg. I don't know if I mentioned it here with the mics on, but we, we've been talking about Bloomberg is in the third spot of probability, which is notable because he's not even in some of these primaries because he entered so late. Uh, and uh, I will, just because this wasn't an on-the-record thing, and I don't know whether he's saying this publicly, but we did speak to a cigar industry person recently. If he's listening to this, which I think he does, uh, he'll know who he is. I'm just not saying the name because who knows. Uh, but... At least one person's perspective, and I share it, is that Bloomberg is one of the uh, worst possible outcomes for the cigar industry narrowly. Absolutely. Uh, I was in New York when he was mayor. I can tell you that for sure. So tell me a little bit about that. That that escaped me. But yeah, you were there while he was mayor. Tell me. Yeah, and and he was trying to eliminate uh, sugary drinks. Yeah. uh, Eliminate the big gulp and all. And it's like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? Uh, You can't smoke in Central Park anymore or Bryant Park or. Correct. You have to go to Paley's. Private park, or or on the, or you have to sit on the sidewalk, like on the curb, which is terrible. Or you know, actually, you got to keep walking. You can't just oh, well, you can't stand there because right. you would be within twenty five right. feet of right. the next uh, business. So you got to you got to keep moving. Yeah, same deal with Seattle. I mean, I the Seattle's that way. So I, yeah. I, I think uh, you know. But yeah, for the cigar business, this would be for awesome. the cigar business. Yeah, I mean, and you know, uh, some people are single issue voters. I don't know that that's you know unless if I were a single issue voter. I don't know if this is the way that I would go, only because, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, even if I make my living in cigars or cigar-adjacent things, there's always bigger questions, right? Like, there are plenty of people who own a cigar company. You may feel more strongly about, say, abortion. or You also have kids, and so there's education questions. But uh, but to the extent that you're, you know, thinking about the cigar industry, yeah, I mean, that is that is the most committed nanny of all of them. Yep. Uh, so Well, and it's just uh, regu- over-regulation in general. I just don't. I don't agree with overregulation, right? In general, and he's all for it. And then, ironically, he's also, and this is where I think it kind of puts a, a cigar voter in a weird spot. Did you guys get a chance to watch that debate? I saw the second half no. at Roma Craft with Skip, uh, and I was uh, in, in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, uh, and Sean also at Roma Craft. So shout out to Sean who I met for the first time. I don't think he could, he's done like events and stuff. He's been with them for about a year and a half. Super cool dude. So if you go to Roma Craft, you'll you'll meet him as well. You'll hang with Sean. You'll hang with Sean. Um, but then, you know, on the flip side, Bloomberg is the only one with the stones to call out the socialism of all these other people on every other front. And, of course, they're never going to criticize him for all his prohibitionist bullshit. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting rhetorical place we've landed in where, you know, the the guy who's the most explicitly committed uh, tobacco opponent is also the only one who's out there saying like, yeah, and also you're a communist, <laughs> which is great. It's such a weird place we're in. Um, so anyway, all of well, that. Yeah, that that puts non-socialist Democrats right. who smoke cigars in a really tight bind is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, if you own a cigar company. Yeah. And you are a Democrat. And you're a Democrat and you're not into the socialism thing. You're in a weird bind right now. Yeah, who, who do you got? Right. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, all that is stuff to, to keep an eye on. Uh, unfortunately the cigar thing, as we know too well, doesn't get a lot of play in the mainstream. So it's not something that's going to come up, but I mean, here's a thing that's just occurring to me now. If you are in a place and you're the sort of person who does these town halls and likes to go to those things and you happen to, I would say like, if you're a cigar smoker, nobody else is going to bring these questions up. Maybe bring it up, you know, maybe bring up that aspect of it. I'd be interested to see, you know. And, and let us know, like, hey, I'm here because the Cigar Snob podcast sent me. Sure. <laughs> uh, and I have a question for everybody <laughs> if you go to any of these things. So 
all right, before we go to our turn, party. The moderator will turn off your mic. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, before we go to the party recommendations, let's revisit the cigar again. Uh, I've been talking hey, a little wait, too much. Wait, we didn't much. talk about the Russians for Bernie, though. Oh, the Russians for Bernie. That's right. The Russians are all in on Bernie, apparently. So the, I, thought, uh, I thought that whole thing was awesome. Yeah, so the Bernie Sanders campaign was advised by the uh, feds that the Russians are uh, putting in work to help his campaign. So, of course, now the Sanders campaign and Democrats in general, right, because there's some amount of like even as they bicker, nobody wants to be a part of the party where the front runner may be getting help from the Russians. Of course. They're in the position that Trump was in of having to make the argument of, well, they're helping me, but I don't want the Russians to help. Get them away. Not interested. You know, all of that. That's my Bernie Sanders. <laughs> That's your Bernie. Uh, uh, I love the uh, – because, again, Donald Trump is going to have funny tweets. Oh, did yeah. you Did you read his on, on this? No. That's where funny. he says, are any Democrat – this is Donald J. Trump, real Donald Trump tweeting. Are any Democrat operatives, the DNC or crooked Hillary Clinton, blaming Russia, Russia, Russia for the Bernie Sanders win in Nevada? If so, I suggest calling Bob Mueller. And the 13 angry Democrats to do a new Mueller report. Oh, baby. Democrat edition. Bob will get to the bottom of it. <laughs> that's, that's one of the better Trump tweets, though. He's got a lot of good ones. Yeah. I Trump's- know, but that one, you know, it doesn't go off the rails. It's it's funny. He knows he's being yeah. funny. Uh, yeah, and it's not totally disconnected from, Correct. from the reality of the situation. Uh, so, before we get to our parting recommendations, let's talk a bit about the cigar. Uh, mine, mine just went out, but that's not the cigar's fault. It's mine. I've been talking too much. Talking Bernie. Uh, but uh, yeah, again, we are smoking the Hoya de Nicaragua Cuatro Cinco Reserva Especial in the uh, Drew Diplomat Retailer Program exclusive or event exclusive, which is a six by fifty four bellicoso. So, uh, Eric, how you feeling about it? Uh, well, halfway through, the strength uh, ramps up. Yeah. Uh, that intense coffee notes uh, come in. With that little bit of chocolate still. Uh, and you still have that, that pepper and that earth in the background. It's kind of like the core of it is pepper and earth. Uh, again, I, I, I love the cigar. And and now the strength uptick, uh, again, keeps you interested. It's like, whoa, this thing is not just cruising along. Because it was yeah. cruising along that earthy, chocolatey coffee. And then it just went, whoa. I yeah. don't know about you, but. Mine, the strength increases by like maybe 20, 20% or so. For sure. Uh, it's, uh, and, and it increases in a you know, still pleasant way. Absolutely. I'm glad I had that patalito before we started recording. Uh, yep. You're feeling but, it. But yeah, if, if you're going to get into this, not, uh, I mean, for some people, for me, it wouldn't be my empty stomach morning cigar. I'd want to have like, you know, a decent breakfast and this would be super nice Agreed. after something like that. Um, so uh, now for our parting recommendations. This is where we let you know things that we think you should do, watch, read, uh, eat. Ivan, what you got? In honor of the South Beach Wine and Food Festival, which I did not attend. Me neither. I was indisposed. Right. (laughs) But I still was in the mood for some wine. I had a very nice wine this weekend. I had a um, Orange Swift Eight Years in the Desert, which is a uh, Zinfandel blend. Yep. With Zin Syrah, Petite Syrah, Grenache. It was awesome. It was, um, you know, uh, a little bit spicy, a little fruity, uh, but very balanced. Uh, so the funny thing is when I read that in uh, in the notes that you were going to talk about that, uh-huh. I had dinner. Uh, my sister Yami, a friend of ours, Bocas, and I had dinner with Fred Rui, 
uh, Christian Hudson of um, Just For Him Cigars. And uh, and a couple of other, uh, Fred, uh, Frank Seltzer, and anyway, uh, a good-sized table. And Fred and Christian were raving about eight years in the desert. No shit. Yeah. Wow. And so I thought it was cool. And, and Fred brought up that it's uh, when Oren Swift sold The Prisoner. Yeah. Uh, he had an eight-year non-compete. non-compete. Yeah. And so when he comes back, he comes back with eight years in the desert. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they were raving. They were like, dude, you will not be disappointed. Go get it as soon as you get back to Miami. And so it's funny that they said that, and now you're saying that. Yeah. So I will have to go get it. That's good. So I have two recommendations. One of them is in there. I, typical. I forgot to put the other. Typical stuff. One of them is an Instagram account. Uh, I follow very few Instagram accounts of brands or people that I don't personally know or engage with. But this one is great. Uh, it's called Influencers in the Wild. So Instagram at Influencers in the Wild. And it's uh, fan-submitted videos of influencers taking their influencer photos or being photographed. Uh, and it is hilarious. Ivan, I recommended it to Ivan earlier, and he went on there. And I think your comment was, you could spend a lot of time here. This is so much better than... <laughs> I mean, you've, you've made a tremendous contribution to Instagram with your parked... Like, parked an, like asshole an asshole series. Yeah. Uh, this is so much better. Yeah. Because you're actually looking for people acting like assholes instead of parking like <laughs> So... Uh, yeah, you can you can spend a lot of. I've time. already been sucked in. You, yeah, I know you can spend a ton of time on that thing. So yeah, influencers in the wild. They actually caught an influencer in the wild and tried sending them the photo, but then I realized they only take videos. So if you see somebody looking like a like a loser or you know being an influencer in the wild, take a video of them and then go to this Instagram and send them the video. They they may just share it. Uh, then my other recommendation is a place that I went to Saturday night. I had no idea it was there. Uh, it's Coyo Taco, which, of course, I've eaten at Coyo Taco. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize that there's a club in the back of Coyo Taco uh, on, uh, on – God, what is the street? Why am I blanking now? On the, the pedestrian. Yeah. So if you're in Coral Gables, maybe if you're smoking at Galliano uh, and you want to – you know, when you finish your cigar, you want to switch over to tacos and sort of like a – Little like back room nightclub thing. Hi, boyo at Coyo. There you go. <laughs> so that was. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. No, uh, I mean I, I, that's what it's called. It was a good <laughs> time. That's what the locals call it. Yeah, that's the what club. the locals call it. So yeah, I had no idea about this. Like I kind of knew it was there, but I had never been. Uh, I was at a wedding nearby, and then at, when we had to leave the venue at ten thirty, everybody headed to to Coyo to to that place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, it was a good time. It's like a good like end of the night. Everybody's already kind of on a in the mood. Uh, it's a good spot. So anyway, Eric. Oh, I watched uh, I watched the movie on the flight uh, to DR, and I absolutely loved it. Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, it's the uh, it's all about you know Hitler. Uh, this this little this little kid, and it's really well done. Scarlett Johansson's in it. Uh, it's funny it's sad it's uh, it just really well done movie uh highly recommended so this is a uh, taika waititi taika waititi is the is the uh director and uh just again just it runs the gamut of emotions you 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 laugh because the kid is it's a funny kid and he's not exactly like the aryan uh super stud that that all aryan kids are supposed to be 
but he has this imaginary friend, Hitler. And so it's his version of Hitler talking to him, right? And so it's really well done. Uh, but again, at the same time, sad and then triumphant and just extremely well done. Uh, Jojo Rabbit. Highly recommend it. Very cool. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've been dying to it. And everybody I know who's seen it has great things to say. I was sad that I watched it on the plane, but if there's a movie you can watch on a plane, it's that one. Yeah. With the noise canceling, you don't have to deal with any uh, nonsense on a plane. But uh, I would have liked to have seen it on a bigger screen. But that always happens when I watch a movie that I liked on a plane. I'm always like, yeah, I wish I would have watched it on a better screen. So that's PG-13, but it's got very small kids in it. So where would you put that as a parent in terms of like the kids watching? I think I would go, well, having uh, having two boys... Uh, I think I would start, if it was just me as a parent, not, this isn't like, you know, uh, but me, I would, I would go with at 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you can watch it. Uh, it's, there's not a lot of gore. Uh, there's, it, it's the, it's whether or not you want to expose your kid to the sadness of what happened. Sure. Uh, so, but I, I plan on playing it for my kids, uh, this coming weekend, so yeah, no, and I, and the reason I asked, like, based on the previews and what I what little I know about it, it seems like kind of an interesting way to, with young kids, put those Nazi historical themes in front of them, as opposed to like like a Schindler's List, which, yeah, like that's that's super intense, even aside from whatever language and stuff like that, and it's also, I think if you're a young enough kid, as good as like I love Schindler's List, I've yeah. watched it, but there's a certain age where like you tune it out and you want a kid to like be exposed to that and like retain it. This seemed when I saw trailers and stuff like, so in terms of, and that's a good, that's a good point. So I, uh, another movie along those lines in the same subject matter would be life is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that one, the level of sadness is, it's almost overwhelming. So I think you have to be for a kid to get it, maybe get into the 15, range mm-hmm. for them to get it but uh but this one is really well done and and i think that at at 11 12 uh a child you can expose them to this right yeah uh and it and it deals with a lot of the like the stereotypes and and the different uh the the problems that come with closing your mind right so the way that the that the nazis portrayed uh the jewish people uh and so all of that is is super interesting and so then when the kid runs into a real-life uh, Jewish girl, uh, it's, it, like, completely blows his mind, yeah. right? Like, wait, where, when do when do the horns grow out of your head? And when do you start eating, you know, people? Uh, so really, really well done. Highly recommended. Jojo Rabbit. Cool. So with that, we're, uh, we're out of here. You've been listening to the Cigar Snob Podcast. You can find past episodes of the podcast at cigarsnobmag.com slash podcast. Subscribe, leave reviews, share it with your friends and your family and your mom and yeah, your don't forget coworkers your mom. and all that. Yeah. Don't forget your mom. Don't leave your mom out. Uh, and uh, tweet us at Cigar Snob Mag. Also, all the social media things at Cigar Snob Mag. And uh, yeah, until next hey, time. Hey, you know what? Ooh, hey. Before we go, there was someone who emailed me recently. I, I think I read the email while on a plane. Uh but someone emailed me that he entered one of our like giveaways that we do. Hey, post a video of XYZ. And he's like, I never heard anything back. So we're going to have to go check back into oh, man. the archives. Yeah. 
and figure out what the hell we missed. But whoever you are, sir, I will read your email again, <laughs> and we will send you your T-shirt if you want it. So there. There you go. All right. Thanks, and uh, yeah. You all right, Ivan? You're still reeling with the Dwayne Wade thing? No, I'm okay. Oh, okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. We'll check back on uh, Ivan next episode. And how was your Dwayne? Later, y'all. Dwayne, you're invited to come on and debate him. <laughs> See ya.